Well, we only have two weeks left in this sermon series. And we'll be done studying Paul's letter to the Philippians. I hope it has been as helpful for you as it has been for me. Considered finishing up the sermon series today and probably could have, but I just I'm not ready to let go. So we'll wrap it up next week and then, Lord willing, uh, Pastor Greg will preach Palm Sunday and then we'll have Easter Sunday and then that first Sunday in April we'll begin a new sermon series on Ecclesiastes. In our text today, some of Paul's final thoughts are about the relationship that he has with this church in Philippi. He's wrapping up his letter to them and he seems to be thinking about his relationship with them and especially what what he loves about them and how specifically he has been blessed by them. When we read his words today, it, it becomes even more clear how generous this church was, how generous they were with Paul. I think it'll be good for all of us to consider our own generosity today. How generous are you? How ready and willing are you to give things up? Especially how generous are you with other Christians? How generous are you with your church family? There's There's supposed to be something special there. Uh, A special affection and love that we have for one another in a local church. And it manifests itself through generosity. So, there's a description here that we're going to see. There's a description of the Philippians' generosity. I really don't, though I tried and it just felt imported There's no specific application today where normally we'll pause at points or at the very end give some specific application that connects what we have just learned to now how we should live in light of that. No specific application today, but I would encourage you to listen, to listen very carefully to the example that we have of generosity in the Philippians. My hope and prayer is that as we listen, as we learn about their example, and then even hear some reasons for their and hopefully yours and my own generosity, that we would be encouraged. We would be encouraged to be more generous with one another. But before I preach this sermon, we should pray together. So will you please bow your heads with me? Our Father in heaven, thank you for time now to read your holy, inspired, inerrant word together. And thank you for time now to stop doing everything else we've been doing throughout the week and to think about your truth. We need your help. We need help understanding your word and we need help applying your word. We know and you know that our minds will stay dark And our hearts will stay cold without the work of your Holy Spirit. So we need you and ask for you to come and to bring with you light for our minds and heat for our hearts, we pray in Jesus name. Amen. Please open your Bibles to Philippians chapter four, which if you're using one of the Bibles that we provide for you, you'll find that on page six hundred and thirty seven. Let me read the text in its entirety one more time before we begin. This is Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through 18. This is the word of God. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. 
Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Amen. We're going to take this on in two sections, verses 14 through 16, and then verses 17 and 18. In verses 14 through 16, we have another description of the relationship between Paul and these Philippians. So, Let's read this description of their relationship from Paul's perspective. Let's begin with verse 14. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. The Philippians shared in Paul's trouble. That is more significant than mere help. That is more than praying for Paul, which they did. That is more than sending gifts to Paul, which they did. That is more than sending people to Paul, which they did. They shared in his trouble. So share implies an ongoing investment from the heart. This is what Paul was receiving from the Philippians. It was an ongoing investment that they were making in Paul. It was heartfelt. It was from their heart. Share implies a two-way relationship. They're sharing with one another. They, they loved Paul. They had a heart for Paul. They, they missed Paul as soon as he was gone. They worried about Paul. They shared his trouble so that when he was suffering, they were suffering. There are people in your life and you you share their trouble when when they hurt, you hurt when they're in pain, you're in pain when when they're suffering, you are suffering. And so here Paul is reflecting on that. He's reflecting on the Philippians and how they've shared in his trouble And he calls it kind. They don't have to do that. He says it is kind of you. It is kind. This is good for us to think about. It is kind for Christians to share in other Christians' trouble. Not to ignore it, not to suppress it, not to neglect it, not to distract ourselves from it, not to give token support, but to share in other Christians' trouble. It is kind for Christians to share in other Christians' trouble. Paul told the Romans in chapter 12, verse 15, Rejoice with those who rejoice. And then what did he say? And weep with those who weep. And in Galatians 6, 2, we're called to bear one another's burdens. The idea is that a Christian is under some sort of weight. A sickness, a circumstance, a deteriorating relationship, whatever it is, a Christian is under some kind of a a heavy, burdensome weight. And the picture is that when a Christian is in that place, other Christians come and they, 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 they squeeze in and get in close to the suffering Christian and try to take some of the weight. Try to get some of the weight on their shoulders so that the weight is shared, so that the, the weight isn't as heavy, so that it's not as painful. So that it's maybe not as difficult. So that the trouble is shared. So that the burden is borne by others. So another way of putting what Paul is saying in Romans and Galatians. To weep with those who weep. And and to bear one another's burdens. Is exactly what he says here. It is to share 
in one another's trouble. That's exactly what the Philippians did. And they're an example to us. We want to be kind to one another like this. Now, in verses 15 through 16, Paul gets a little more specific about how the Philippians shared his trouble. Let's read together verse 15 and 16. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. There are many good things to point out here in the Philippians. Just in these two verses. And remember, think about their generosity. Think about how they loved other Christians. Think about, they said they loved Paul. Now, what did they do toward Paul? Because of their love for him. We're trying to follow their example. Considering our own generosity. Well, there's another word for sharing in these verses, and it's partnership. Same idea. It's the word Paul uses in verse 15. No church entered into partnership with me except you only. He used the same word back in chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. He said, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. So Paul and the Philippians enjoyed a partnership with one another. It wasn't a one way relationship. It was a two way relationship. He said, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving. Right. That describes partnership that describes this partnership. It's it's not just give. It's not just receive. It's giving and receiving. They each. Gave to one another. Each of them were better off because of this relationship. Well, what do we know that each of them gave to one another? What do we know from our study in this book of Philippians? What what were each of them giving to one another? What were each of them receiving from one another? First, what did Paul give to the Philippians? What What did Paul give to the Philippians? He gave them truth. He gave them sound doctrine. He gave them direction. He gave them accountability. He gave them the best thing anyone could ever give you. The gospel. They wouldn't know the gospel if it wasn't for Paul. So they loved Paul. They understood what a treasure that was. They understood what a a gift that was. They have Paul among them and teaching them and shepherding them and giving them the gospel and giving them sound doctrine and teaching them the truth. They saw how it affected their lives, how it changed their hearts and changed their minds and changed their families and changed their churches and changed their communities. They were thankful for what it is that Paul had done. Well, what do you do if you're thankful for someone? If you, if you love someone? If you care about someone? You're generous with them. So what did the Philippians give to Paul? What do we know from this letter? Well, they presumably gave Paul food and money and clothing. They provided for his needs. They supported Paul. They prayed for Paul. And most recently... They sent Epaphroditus to Paul. Paul's imprisoned in Rome. They sent from Philippi all the way from Philippi. They sent Epaphroditus, a member in their church. Go to Paul. See him face to face. Minister to him. Pray with him. Encourage him. Tell him how worried we are about him. Ask him if there's anything that that we can do. And then they sent him with a gift. 
And Paul said of Epaphroditus in chapter 2, verse 25, that this man was Paul's brother. He calls him my fellow worker and fellow soldier. He says he is the Philippians messenger. He was the Philippians minister to, Paul said, my need. So that's what Paul is giving the Philippians. And that's what the Philippians are giving Paul. It is a two-way relationship. They're in partnership with one another. There is giving and there is receiving. And yet still in these verses, Paul says two more things. More subtly about the Philippians. Their partnership with Paul was as Sinclair Ferguson calls it outstanding and longstanding or exceptional and steadfast. Think about the qualities of their partnership with Paul that he mentions here. First, their generosity toward Paul was outstanding. It was exceptional. No one else's support compared to their support. That's what he's saying. No one else was being kind to Paul in this way. Listen to verse 15. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. That's sometimes hard for me to believe, but apparently it was true. Paul says, no one supports me the way you support me. In other words, this support, this generosity from the Philippians, it was exceptional. It was exceptional. It was head and shoulders above the rest. Outstanding. But not only was their generosity toward Paul outstanding, second, it was long-standing, where it was steadfast. It started sooner than other support, and it lasted longer than other support. Listen to what Paul says, verse 15. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel. In other words, when you first heard the gospel. When I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. He said the same thing back in chapter 1, verse 5. I thank my God because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So it was ongoing support from the Philippians. It was not a one-time support. And Paul goes so far as to say in verse 16, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So it's long-standing. It's ongoing. It's steadfast. Their support is over and over again. The Philippians began supporting Paul. In the very beginning of his ministry. In fact, we know from the book of Acts, the book of history in your New Testament, we know from the book of Acts that this ongoing support began within weeks of Paul leaving Philippi. Remember, Paul had come to Philippi. He had this message from God to go there and to preach the gospel. So. He sailed there. He preached the gospel. And then he and Silas, who was with him, they were promptly beaten up. They were thrown in jail. Eventually, they were basically kicked out of town. So they were not there for long. But in the time they were there, this little church of the Philippians was planted. After leaving Philippi then, Paul and Silas passed quickly through a couple towns and then they settled in Thessalonica where they planted another church, but they were only there for a few weeks. And what does Paul say again in verse 16? Even in Thessalonica, you sent help for my needs once 
and again in just a short period of time. So Paul is saying, even though I had just left you, I had just left you, even though I was I was a hundred miles down the road. That's that's as far as Thessalonica is from Philippi. And even though I was only there for a few weeks, you began to support me and your support has followed me everywhere I've gone since then and finds me now here in prison. They were so generous to Paul. So kind. So there you have in verses 14 through 16, that is a description of the partnership between Paul and the Philippians. It was sweet Christian fellowship. That's what this is. They shared in Paul's trouble. They gave to one another. They received from one another. And their generosity toward Paul was exceptional and it was steadfast. Now, if you put all those details together, if you put all those details together, what you have I feel like I should stop because I think it's the Bible. <laughs> okay, so that's all right. If I was charismatic, I would have thought that was something completely different happening. <laughs> if you put all those details together, these details about this partnership between Paul and the Philippians, you have great insight into Christian fellowship, whether that's your experience or not, this is a picture of it. This is great insight into Christian fellowship. And think about this a little more specifically. If this sort of fellowship that is described here, if this sort of fellowship exists anywhere in the church, it must exist in a church as it does here in between Paul and the Philippians, between pastors and their people. That is the specific context, right? I mean, this is how Christians should be relating to one another. This isn't just the fellowship that should exist between people in the church and their leaders, but that is the specific context. This is the relationship that Paul who has invested truth and the gospel into the Philippians and received so much from them. That's the partnership that's being talked about here. Now, I was encouraged this week as I read this and as I thought about Paul's relationship with the Philippians, I obviously cannot speak for all of you who are a part of this church, but I can speak for myself as a pastor I can speak for my family and I could write the same words about my feelings and my gratitude for all of you. Easy. Be very natural. To talk the same exact way about my feelings for you as a church and my gratitude for you as a church. Our family always knows that we're prayed for. Our family is encouraged by people in this church over and over and over again. We receive, as Paul did, gifts from people in this church. Our needs are met by people in this church. And when we have gone through trouble, you all have shared in our trouble. You have been to us an example of the Philippians. This is the partnership that Paul is thankful for. This is why he is so grateful. This is why Paul loves them. This is why they love Paul. And it's an example to us. So that's the description. Let's move on to verse 17 and 18. Let's read verse 17 and 18. Not that I seek the gift. Remember, Paul's talked like that before. Now listen. Not that I seek the gift, but 
I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So let's look at verse 17 together. As I said, verse 17 starts with something similar to what Paul said in verse 11. Look back at verse 11. In verse 11, remember, Paul basically said that though he was thankful for their gift, he didn't need their gift because he was content in Christ with whatever he had. And he says the same thing here in verse 18. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. So he's saying the same kind of thing. He didn't need their gift, but he adds something in verse 17. Not only does he not need their gift, but what does he say? He doesn't seek their gift. Not that I seek the gift, he says. He doesn't need their gift, and so he isn't seeking. He isn't after their gift. That's not what he is after. He's after something else. It's not the gift in and of itself. He's after something else. He's seeking after something else. What is it? What does he say? Verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. So it's not the gift. It's what the gift does for you. The gift is more about what it does for you than what it does for me, Paul is saying. So it's not the actual gift that I'm seeking. It is the fruit that increases to, not mine, that increases to your credit. What does that mean? The King James Version says, I desire fruit that may abound to your account. He's saying, okay, give me gifts, but I don't need the gifts. I'm not seeking the gift itself, but give me gifts because then you will abound in your account. It will credit to your account. The New American Standard says, I seek for the profit which increases to your account. Think about this with me. So you probably caught these are all financial terms. These are financial terms. When, when the Philippians give to Paul, not just money, whatever it is they give to Paul, they are actually making an investment, is what Paul is saying. When you give to me, Paul is saying, you are making an investment. What happens when you make an investment? One account shrinks, but hopefully the other account eventually increases. Because that's what's happening when you love me this way, when you give to me this way, when you share in my trouble, when you send me gifts like you just have. Their, their account on earth is shrinking, but an account somewhere else is increasing. We're getting closer, I think, to an answer. So they're giving things that are valuable to them that they need, that, 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 they, that they could use, and they're giving them up to Paul. So they, they now have less of it. But somewhere, when they do that, an account is getting bigger. We're learning about how generosity works. Okay, where is that other account? Heaven. Some of you have verses popping in your head. I, think, I don't know where that is, but I have, I have words from God's word that are coming into my head. I think that account is it's in heaven. You're right. For example, do you remember what Jesus said in Luke 12, 33? He said, sell your possessions and give to the needy. That's a good thing to do. 
provide your, when you do that, here's what he says is happening. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in the bank in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. So when the Philippians give to Paul, it is good for them. It's good for them. You see why he has to clarify? I'm not, I don't need the gift. I'm good. I'm content. Whatever God gives me. In fact, I have, I'm well supplied for. I have more than enough, but, but go ahead and give. When you give, you're storing up for yourself treasure in heaven. This credits to your account. This is good for you. This is another motivation and an encouragement to Christians to be generous. Paul said, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Now, here's where I'd like to focus the rest of our time. In these two verses, 17 and 18. Paul will use three different words or phrases to describe the gift the Philippians had given him. Fruit. Fragrant offering and sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Let me show you that. Look at verse 17 and 18 with me and then we'll look at these. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit. So Paul sees the gift as the fruit of something. And we'll we'll see what that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. And now he has two phrases to describe these gifts. A fragrant offering. That's the first one. And here's the second one. A sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. These gifts the Philippians sent. This generosity of the Philippians was fruit It was a fragrant offering. And it was a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. When you. Out of love for God. Give something to another Christian. That's that's very practically what's happening here. So when you Christian out of your love for God. Give something to another Christian, especially when you give something to another Christian who is in trouble, as Paul was. It is fruit. When you give something to another Christian, it is a fragrant offering. When you give something to another Christian, it is a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. I think we can understand what each of these means pretty quickly. So number one. When you, out of love for God, give something to another Christian, it is fruit. Verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. So let's think about fruit biblically. Fruit in the Bible refers to a result or a consequence from some effort or action. Think about fruit. Think about an apple. It didn't just... When you go to the grocery store and you see these apples in the baskets, the apple didn't just show up in that basket in the grocery store. You know this. It was a result of planting a tree. A lot of things led up to that apple, that fruit being in the grocery store. Someone planted a tree. Someone watered the tree. Someone took care of the tree. And eventually, because of all of that work, there was fruit. When a Christian, out of love for God, gives something to another Christian, 
It is its fruit. It is the result of God's work in them. When you can do this, Christian. When you can, out of your love for God, give something to another Christian. Give something up for another Christian. When you can do that, that is fruit. You can do that because God has been working in your life. God has been working in your heart. It is fruit. It is evidence that he planted a tree, that he watered the tree, that he has cared for the tree. It is good fruit in your life. Titus 3.14 says, And let our people learn to do what the Philippians were doing. He says, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. In other words, if you're devoted to good works, if you're helping those in urgent need, you're being fruitful. Generosity is the fruit. It is the evidence of God's work in the Philippians, which is why, think about this, God, Paul thanks God for their generosity. That's weird. If you think about it. If someone is generous to you, you thank, thank you for being generous. But Paul doesn't, he rarely does that. Paul says, thank you, God, for their generosity. Why? Because Paul gets it. He knows that their generosity is the fruit of God's work in them, of God's investment in them. In fact, Paul is always doing that. But he said at the beginning of this letter, I thank my God. And then he goes on about how great they are. But he's thanking God for how great they've been to him. It's how Paul starts all of his letters, all of them except Galatians. They're There was not a lot to be thankful for in the Galatians. But the other people that he writes letters to, here are three examples. Listen to how he does this. Romans, Romans 1.8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. That's subtle. But Paul did not say, thank you, Romans, for having such great faith. That's not how he does it. He thanks God for their great faith because their faith is the fruit of God's work in them. Colossians 1, 3 and 4. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ and of the love that you have for all the saints. Paul does not say, thank you, Colossians, for your love for all the saints. No. Where's the thankfulness go? To God. And finally, the same thing in 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 and 3. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Paul does not say, thank you, Thessalonians. For your faith, for your hard work, and for your steadfastness in hope. Paul does not thank the people who give him the gift as much as he thanks God in front of them. That's how he does it. He thanks God in front of them. And he does that because he understands that anything good in them and anything good in me And anything good in you is the result of God's work in us. It's fruit. So, when a Christian, out of love for God, gives something to another Christian, it is fruit. Second, and now we're going to take these two and three out of order. But second, when you... Out of love for God, give something to another Christian. It is a sacrifice. Acceptable and pleasing to God. 
their gifts. The Philippians gifts were a sacrifice to God, not Paul. Tell Paul thinks about it. This was costly devotion to God, not Paul. The gifts were, of course, given to Paul, but they were also given to God. They gave up what they had for another's good, Paul, and for God's glory. It was a sacrifice to God. First Peter 2 5 says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Romans 12.1 says something very similar. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So what is a sacrifice talk? We need to understand that when we give like this, we're we're giving a sacrifice to God. God's people think about your Bible. God's people before the coming of Christ offered physical sacrifices. Over and over again, clean and pure and costly and valuable animals were given up for God. Now, after the coming of Christ, God's people still offer sacrifices. They're just different. That's what 1 Peter 2 is saying. That's what Romans 12 is saying. That's what our text today is saying. Christians don't stop offering sacrifices. We offer, according to 1 Peter 2.5, now spiritual sacrifices. We offer, according to Romans 12.1, living sacrifices. The Philippians were practicing Hebrews 13.16, which says, do not, this is to all of us, do not neglect to do good And to share what you have. Isn't that what the Philippians were doing? They were doing good and sharing what they have. The author of Hebrews says, don't stop doing that, Christian. Don't neglect that. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So when I do good to others, when I share what I have, Hebrews 13 calls it a sacrifice. A living sacrifice, my life is. A spiritual sacrifice, according to 1 Peter 2. We offer sacrifices, not primarily because it's good for others, though it is, and we love others, but because it is pleasing to God. Out of love for others, yes, but primarily out of love for God. That means if you love God, give. If I love God, I'll give. Because I'm being told from God that that's pleasing to Him. It's for Him. When a Christian out of love for God gives something to another Christian, it is a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God And now finally, number three. When you, out of love for God, give something to another Christian, it is a fragrant offering. What does the verse say? I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering. So the gifts that the Philippians sent to Paul were a fragrant offering to God, which is another way, using imagery, Of saying pleasing and acceptable to God. They were a fragrant offering. When the Philippians gave gifts to Paul. 
it smelled good to God. That's what it's saying. This obviously points us to a text where this significantly shows up very early on in the Bible. Genesis chapter 8. Almost the exact same language is used in Genesis chapter 8. Remember this was after Noah and his family were rescued from God's wrath, rescued from the great flood. And when they get out, after almost a year on that boat, when they're on dry land, after being saved by God, and they get out, the first thing Noah does is to build an altar and to make a sacrifice to God out of gratitude and thankfulness. He builds an altar and he offers a sacrifice to God. And now I want you to listen what the Bible says about that sacrifice. Genesis 8, beginning in verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. That is an amazing passage. What just happened between Noah and his family and God? Noah is obedient. He burns up a sacrifice before God. The smell of that sacrifice reached God and it affected God's heart. He was so pleased with that worship. He was so pleased that Noah would would do that off the boat. He was so pleased that he would give that up. God was so pleased that he promised, made a covenant never to sweep the world in judgment like this again. That's significant. And we're told in the text what provoked that in God was this fragrant offering. And we were just told that when we are generous with other Christians, it is that kind of fragrant offering to God. There's other passages, Exodus 29, 18, and burn the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a pleasing aroma. Leviticus 4.31 says the same thing. And then, Listen to how Ephesians 5.2 describes the ultimate sacrifice, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. We're told in Ephesians 5.2, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. A fragrant offering. We're talking about the sacrifices they made in the Old Testament. We're talking about the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. We're talking about what Noah did when he got off the ark being saved by God. These were fragrant offerings. And what did we just learn in Philippians? That when you give to other Christians, when you, out of your love for God, give to other Christians... It's a fragrant offering to God. What an extraordinary way that we can love and worship God throughout our days. There's other scripture that says, often when you're doing this and you're having this kind of generosity, no one even knows you're doing it. 
There's a time where you don't even want anyone to know you're doing it. It's just between you and God. Do you understand why? Is it just between you and God? But when you do that, it's a fragrant offering to God. It's a sacrifice to God. Something significant that we can do anytime, anywhere. And God is glorified in us and satisfied in us. So when you out of love for God, give something to another Christian. It is a fragrant offering to God. In conclusion, Christian. When you out of love for God. Give yourself up like this, give up your time, give up your money, give up your possessions. God is pleased and you are storing up. For yourselves, treasure in heaven. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word that encourages us to generosity today. God, help us to be a people who share with one another, who give to one another for the right reasons, out of the right motivation, ultimately out of our love for you. God, reveal yourself to us so that we would love you more. So that we would love your word more, love your worship, love prayer and love one another more. And may we, as we love you more, give generously to one another. Everything that we have, God. May we see it as not only for us, but also for Those we love. Help us, God, bring conviction if we need conviction, bring us encouragement if we need encouragement. We ask these things in Jesus name. Amen.